When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live. Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. My bad. That's on me. Welcome to Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha. Make sure if you like this episode or any other, make sure to hit the subscribe below here on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up. Or if you're on our Twitter, go ahead and hit the repost, air the quote. If, say something about what you like, what you don't like. We appreciate the feedback, but it also gets these stories to one player, one parent that might need this inspiration or to find out through what they have been through as a coach, player, trainer, whatever we have on the show. To my left, we have Mr. Mike Leapley, the head coach of Westside High School Warriors softball team, the co-coach of the year in his first year of taking over after being interim. To his left, we have my man from Wired Training Center. Make sure to check them out, Brian Southworth. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. Man, we go back to the car dealership. So this is a part of you that I had no idea was even a thing. I think I saw you play softball on a high select team or like do some travel with that. But now you're a coach and you're leading a team that that obviously you have a lot of pride in. What all do you remember from when you first got into softball playing before you went to coaching? Yeah, it was slow pitch. Um, that's where I met my wife originally, TJ who was a former coach at Westside who moved on to Briarcliff University. So we met at a slow pitch when I met you uh, selling cars. And that's how <laughs> I got all into this 10 years ago. Now, did you even think that this is what you wanted or like what even turned there? Cause I mean, being a player and going to coaching, it's not always an easy transition, especially if you start building because you went to fast pitch, right? Yourself? Yeah, we, we, we slow pitch, mostly slow pitch. Yeah. So I played there for four or five years, and the game started getting a little faster, a little quicker. Guys are, I'm getting older, they're getting younger. I was, <laughs> I was a pitcher at slow pitch. Balls are whizzing past your head. You're like, yeah, I might have a mask on. Then uh, one day, um, my wife showed up to slow pitch, like, hey, we have uh, TJ Edis. She's going to be our uh, substitute tonight, and she's going to be on the coach. I'm like, who's TJ Edis? And they're like, you need to Google her. I'm like, nah, who is she? Like, she? She's pretty good. She played at Oregon and played at Creighton. So I said, all right, cool. So I put her dead last in the lineup. Not thinking she was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and she played third good base. Good job, coach. Yeah, so she played third base. And we know we're Hot playing corner. at a high level, you know, co-ed softball. Um, believe it or not, that night she hit three dingers. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got into it. We know, let's say as months went on, she's like, hey, I – Played at a high level, and uh, I coached a select team at that time. She did, and she's like, if you want to start dating stuff, you might want to get on board or get out. I Ooh. said, okay, well, there's a couple of things. I'm a big Bears fan. I know they're not good right now, but I said for 16 weeks out of the year, Sundays are my day, but I can support you in some softball <laughs> if you can support my habit on a Sunday. <laughs> and um, so one thing led to another. Then before you know it, within a year, year and a half of dating, I'm coaching with her. Um, at, at um, primetime softball. 
then when things get more, then she gets hired on at um, Westside about five years ago. I'm the outfield coach, and that was all from there. Here you are today. Yeah. In front of us. Obviously, Brian, you know a lot of coaches that go through these transitions. You hear this story of someone, one, not knowing who a, a big-time player is, two, ended up finding his future, but also find a future in coaching. How does that help the industry and, and, and knowing that not everybody has to have a kid on the team? Not everybody has to have uh, an investment that they start with at a young age. Yeah, I mean, I, I just still like going back to how do you how do you coach with your wife, though? I mean, like, like girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, that's that's remarkable. Like, the, I don't know if my wife and I could do that. We'd, we'd be arguing. But no, I mean, it's it's great. There's a lot of a lot of people out there that, you know, have a love for the game and um you know, sometimes they don't, don't always know. It's like, hey, do I quit playing or, you know, and they quit playing. It's like they still miss the game. So, you know, coaching is a great opportunity for these people. Obviously, like came across a lot of the right situations and had the right energy and passion and um, worked out for you, which is pretty, pretty cool. What do you remember about your first year uh, coaching at a high school level? And that, what what's the biggest thing that you remember from that year? And even if it is a failure or a thing that you were like, man, I had no idea this is what I needed to do. Yeah, great question. I mean, um, being an assistant coach means, I mean, yeah, you have big roles, but going to a head coaching job is a different ballgame. You have 40 different personalities. You have parents, you know, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, coming from all over, screaming, hollering, um, plus a big shoes to fill. I mean, we had some good seasons, and we knew we were up and coming, and we, it could went 10 and 24 versus 24 and 10. Um, I remember that very first game against Elkhorn. I was like, oh, boy. You know, my heart was racing. My watch with the 156. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm going to smoke out. I'm like, easy, easy. <laughs> High rate of heart. Yeah, yeah I love it. But, love you know, it. it was, you know, just excitement. I mean, act like you've been there before. You know, I've been and we've been in high-pressure situations. We have a ball, and I want to instill in the, the ladies, like, hey, we can do this. We belong here. Um, you know, there was some bumps along the way there. But, honestly, that very first game, the girls took to me, and we just went to a different level. Did I expect that? I expected a good season, but I didn't expect uh, where we went to state, you know. What do you think kept that composure and made it successful without, like you said, going up over the top too high of pressure or sinking too low to go, we can't do what we're doing? Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to be my personality. You know, hey, you, that's why happy. I can feel it right now. That's the best thing that, like, about our show is, like, I want people to feel that. That's why I bring people on the shows because I the reason you're here is because your energy I already felt before I even seen you coach a, a one game for sure. People you know, what I'm saying? And, and just if you put in that passion, you turn it into something that you had no idea or expected. That's a passion that those kids feed off of, and they want to be a part of this bigger thing than interim head coach, now head coach. You know what I'm saying? For sure. No, I said they they knew I was. I've been there with them before. You know, I said we. When you start a team, you both know you have to build a foundation. It starts from the bottom. You know, West I was beaten down for so many years. You know, you know, when we first took over, we went 16 and 14. Then obviously COVID happened and all of a sudden lose our head coach. Two weeks before season season started. We're all like, oh, deep breath, you know. But again, coaching with your wife, I knew what she expected. You know, we don't, it's her, it was her team. She knew what she needed to do. I knew my role. And then when I took over, she said, Here's the keys of the car, kid. Go drive. You know, she went to Brightcliffe. I mean, she didn't step in. I mean, people thought maybe she was behind me, something what to do behind closed doors and stuff. It's not like that. You know, that's 
Well, but game. but here's the thing. What what if it was? What does it matter? I mean, that's that's the strength that you guys have built oh, yeah. over success. Yep. It isn't like you're going home and going, all right, we can't talk about the game. We can't talk <laughs> softball. Why did you send her me. home there? Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know, those those things For go sure. through. What did her college experience coaching break down to help you? Was there anything that she ex- was experiencing that might have, you know, just help even grow yourself? Yeah. Um, man, that's a good question. Just to, to see if her, um, I guess, I do the word. She's always cool, calm, and collected. You know, nothing was too big for the moment. I mean, we've been in state championship games before. We've been in big games at travel ball. And just seeing her composure with the girls, you know, we were kind of yin and the yang. You know, she's a tough one. I was more of the chill, laid back, you know, just kind of throw some dad jokes out there. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, just, you know, I mean, that's how I was. I just, you know, um, I didn't take things very personally. And, very seriously sometimes and when you flip that switch to head coach you have to take things a bit more serious than being an assistant coach so from her just that thank you before you know that was my big thing well and you you said that switch that you had to to turn mm-hmm. how do you do that what some of the things do you have to step away sometimes before you want to react or say something that you're normally used to or is it something that you feel like you're able to just live in that moment make the reaction the right right reaction at the right time yeah, I mean, being an assistant coach, you can chirp a bit more. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think any parent that sees their players from the past, that I'm very passionate. You know, I, I'll say some things. It's like you both know, like in football, you get a flag for 15 yards. In basketball, you get a technical. You, in softball in high school, you get tossed. You're going to the AD's office. You're getting, you know, tossed. It's paperwork quick. they don't want. Yeah, you exactly. know? And I don't want that press, you know. <laughs> so it just you, it's kind of like relax take a deep breath you know when you get to the field the girls are gonna feed off you or your teammates and things like that even the coaches you know for instance i have two of the coaches joey and don um don's been coaching longer than i have then for me to take that position above him he's my third base coach i'm t- i only do first base coach at all most head coaches do third base yeah you know and i said no this is you've been doing this for so long you're gonna take that and you're gonna run with it i'm staying on first you stay on third Brian, if, when you're seeing coaches come through your program, this isn't something that's easy to talk about when when experience, time on, oversees the fact that they picked him or maybe he was the right person that even went for it. Not all 17-year coaches want that. Yeah. What does it mean when, when they're able to step back and work together in that in that instance? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's really no place for ego when it comes to coaching, uh, really. I mean, you have to kind of, you know, just like, the players on the field. I mean, you have the certain people that fit in certain positions. I mean, you got certain coaches that kind of fit certain positions and, you know, I mean, they're really just going to rise together. If you know, Hey, he has experience and it takes a, takes a good person to realize like, Hey, he's been doing this for years. Like that's where he's going to be best fit. This is where I'm going to be a best fit. And we're going to be a better team from that. So, I mean, that's, that shows why they are having the success they're having. Right. Well, and of course, speaking of that success, it gets you co-coach of the year. What did that award mean to you? But what did it more mean to your team? And what was some of the things that the girls probably got just as excited as coach did when that came out? Honestly, I didn't expect it. Um, you know, obviously, Todd, he's a great coach at Papio. And there's other coach, Mill and North. Um, those guys had a great season. I knew I would be in there. I kind of knew, but I didn't expect to be co-coach, you know. I, it meant the world to me. You know, it meant the, the passion I said, the passion I have, and the girls believing in me and the parents. That was huge. You know, um, now the thing is you can't be one of them. 
<laughs> you, you had one good year, you know, be coach of the year, and all of a sudden have a terrible year. Like, well, that? <laughs> <So> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Way to, way to give us one. Look you next year. You know, um, like I said, it could have been a lot worse. They could have said, no, we're not going to play for him. We miss the old coach, you know. And for some reason, I, I think it was uh, going to the districts, something switched for us. I mean, we set the, the home run record at 46 this year for Westside. It was 26. Um, so we, um, my first baseman, Keynes Dumas, hit 12. Um, the record before was 10. I had another girl named Bailey um, tied at 10. Um, we are a young team, and I was just from sophomore, I mean, from sorry, from a freshman to seniors, they all believed in it quick. I mean, they knew what we had coming. And I, I was like, we're coming. You know, I'm not trying to be prime here, but we're coming. And we, we came, you know. Uh, then things got bigger and bigger than I think people started seeing, like, oh, West Side's here. And that's kind of cool. Well, I like that you said that we're not prime. How do you distinguish the different? How do you keep your kids knowing that right now is West Side and then this time is for your select? Because, of course, not every girl on your team is playing for prime. Yep. They're finding their own avenues. How do you keep those two things separated, but also the passion the same? Just what you're building, you know, from the from the ground up. You know, I said from a freshman pitcher to a senior. Um, these seniors I knew from four years ago, they were freshmen. And they saw what was coming. We knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time. I knew two years ago uh, during open camps, TJ and I and Don and Joy were like, we have something. And I, we wanted to be on the radar for as long as we could. Um, then we took some of the girls from um, Westside over to Primetime Art Organization. Um, they were playing at a BC level. You know, you have to play at an A level. I'm not saying you have to. We should play at a high level of softball to compete against Papio, Millards, the Grednas. As you all know, you have to beat those guys to be the best. Well, and Brian, when it comes to select baseball, how do you determine and where do you want your kids when they get to be at the high school age? Are you hoping that early majors makes later major success? Or do you feel like that's something you build with the team that you have? I think anytime you can play the highest level of competition, you can, it's, it's going to be beneficial because the kids are only going to get better as it goes on. Even so. when they lose, remember that one. So, you know, obviously there, there's a lot, a lot that comes with that, but you know, I mean, baseball is a little different than, than softball because we don't have a, a bunch of club baseball, but you know, I mean, anytime you're going to play the best competition you can, it's only going to help you. Well, and speaking of some of the best competition with your prime team, what was some of those things that you took from like the Tulsa tournaments and the bigger tournaments that you were able to bring back to West side and use with the girls that you have now? Yeah. Getting to the championship games, the grind on a Saturday, Sunday, to, uh, let's say, you're in bracket play. You lose the first game on Saturday. Well, Sunday, you might play five, six games in a row. And we've been there, you know, and you have to go through two or three pitchers. You might only have two two or three pitchers you don't know as playing baseball and stuff. The grind, you know, saying, hey, this is going to be a long day, ladies. I mean, it's middle of August, you know, it's hot. <laughs> it's 107 out here. I mean, the gross environment was 103 degrees out there. I mean, that's what you train for. You know, practice, our practices are tough. You want practice to be tough. When it comes to game, you want it to be nice and easy. You're supposed to enjoy the game of softball, baseball, football. So when it comes to practice, the girls know, hey, this is going to be not war, but dog fight. We're going to be practicing hard for an hour and a half. Well, and you're speaking of the competition. How do they know where they sit with you, and, and how do you push them to be harder for the next person to come up and show that they're a part of that possibility to be that starter? Sometimes kids get in their mind, I'm the only one. Yeah, um, our philosophy is very simple. The best nine play. Yeah, de you know, defense is great, but you have to score runs. Our best nine will hit. If they're hitting, they're playing. Sometimes you sacrifice some defense for that, but our that's always been our mentality for the last 
10 years of from prime time to West side, the best nine will hit nine or 10 will run with that. See, and that's harder obviously on the select side because it's hard for parents to understand what you're trying to build mentally in these kids, the want to win, the want to be better to get that position instead of, well, my kid's not playing. My kid's not batting every time. These aren't easy competition. If it was easy, every kid would be a part of it. Of course, at West Side, things are moving in the right direction. But COVID hit you guys hard. What, what was your experience through COVID, and, and how do you feel you guys have rebounded since then? I think it was tough for everybody. Um, it was just, you know, you played, you'd play some games. I mean, I think at the time, OPS dropped out, you know. So you weren't really getting, you know, all the games you won, all the reps. You were wearing masks and things like that. But, again, it goes back to that travel ball for for softball is all about travel. You know, these girls travel all over the country from California to Florida to, I mean, shoot, to Omaha, up to Sioux Falls. And it's that's about putting the extra work in. I mean, there's a tournament this weekend in Lincoln. These girls just played two weeks ago in a state tournament. <laughs> they're down in Lincoln playing again. I'm like, they need some time to relax, though. But it, the grind, I mean, it really is. It's a grind. That's, I think, we all learn from COVID is the grind. Well, and you talked a little bit about the extra workouts. How do you feel like you guys do helping your girls find facilities that they can get some help? I only bring this up. Brian, of course, runs wired training, and he's been doing some things with some softball. It's some of this stuff is new where they're into intermixing softball and baseball and some of the similar things to get more results out of kids. Yeah, um, man. Facilities are hard to find, as you know. I mean, there's enough facilities. If I won the Mega Millions, I'm building an indoor facility. <laughs> I'm no joke. I thought <laughs> I was going to win that $2 billion the last time. Because I was going to name it the biggest facility in America. I didn't care. Because we, we need that from baseball to any sport. Um, it's tough. You have to. It's all who you know. Um, we have a parent right now on our team that's doing some help with the girls, doing some uh, strength and agility. Um, this offseason, we're working on speed. I want to get faster. Obviously, we're strong enough, but I want to get more quicker on the base pads. You know, um, there's this virtuality thing that um, the Oculus has. I can't think of it. Win reality. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people are doing that right now. So um, then another thing, too, is I don't know if I could do that, man. It like it trains your mind. It's, crazy. it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's good. All right. I'm I mean, going to have to check it, it you out. You see like tennis balls coming at you. You're catching them and him with this that paddle thing. I mean, it's crazy, but they say it works. So we have six of them on our softball program that the girls do wear and stuff like that for training well and of course west side is different than most districts what is it like to keep girls get girls and not have them want to go elsewhere yeah i mean we're an open district which is great you know all the girls we have in our team right now are all west side district most of them are um it's tough i mean because obviously everyone's got a winning program you know um we weren't winning for a while you know we weren't getting girls to come to our team now people are like hey West Side's open district. They're 24 and 10. They're winning. Sure, you want to get better. But again, I don't want to take away from girls who put the grind in the last four years. Uh, don't take offense to this but from somebody, let's say, come from a different district. Just walk in and says, oh, I got the starting second basin position. No, I'm not playing that game. I want my girls to work for that. You know, they deserve it. They put the time, effort in the last four years. Brian, time, effort, all that matters to you guys. How does that go even at a younger age for these kids? And how important is it for younger coaches to be the ones to kind of set that tone? Because it's not easy being a father with kids on the team compared to a guy who doesn't have a single kid. You have a daughter? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you did. I thought you yeah. did the young one, right? Yep. She's 16. Uh, she lives in Lincoln. Then Landon from my first marriage. Uh, then we have Dominic. Uh, he's, you know, our next upcoming great one. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> that's my retirement plan. Hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, Brian, what is it like? Uh, obviously, keeping these kids interested and knowing that they got to earn it, even if they go to a different program or stay with yours. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's. High school sports has uh, got a little bit too much about recruiting, and I think there's a there's definitely a value of of learning. Hey, I'm in the school district. I need to compete for the spot against the the girls that are here, and and be able to control that, you know, and work hard and learn from that. Compared to, you know, let's just go pick this person. Let's go pick this person, and that it really doesn't establish a great culture sometimes, you know, that's gonna, it might work one year, but the more you do that, then the girls are going to stop seeing a path to contribute and play for that program. So I, I really respect that. Thank you. stance that you take there. I like what you said though, there, you said something very important to me that sticks out and it's, it's the girls in your program developing them. When you see a girl that is, that you develop and help get to that next level, and that college decision compared to a kid that's already developed from someone else. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, because these kids have to get other knowledge. Sure. But it's a little more pride for the program. It's a little more culture-based for the program, for these girls to understand. I was a freshman for Coach Leapley. Now I'm a senior, and here's where I am, mm -hmm. compared to just coming in in junior year and going, okay, the last years I've been awesome. Yeah. You know, that, that's what he said. I mean, and you, it's kind of a heart wrench, and you see girls who've, you know, were us freshmen at time go on to be seniors and, you know, go to college and stuff like that. Um, for instance, like our primetime program, and of all the years of coaching there, only four girls didn't go on to play college. They all became nurses or doctors, you know, so they're all going on to see their paths. We're getting invited, invitations to wedding now. You're like, Dude. what? You're yeah, married, it's... you know, and you're having kids. Um, but it's just cool to see, even as a coach now, senior kids get recruited for all the hard work they put in the last four years. You know, a lot of girls just give up because let's say, uh, for instance, we had a girl in our program a couple years ago who got cut, came back next year, made the darn team. You know, I mean, that just shows you the, the grit we have over there, the fight we have. I mean, like I said, I'll go back from day one. They all could have said, no, we're done. We're out of here. You know, but we fought and fought and fought. And that's what we instilled in that program is like, we're not giving up. We might get our butts kicked by these other programs, but eventually we're going to get them. Well, we had uh, last week, we had, uh, as you brought up, Coach Todd Peterson yeah, from the Monarchs. Coach. He talks about the recruiting and how important it is. Going from assistant to head coach, what was the biggest challenge that you've seen that you have to help with recruiting? And what's one of the things that really opened your eyes and you're like, I got to handle on that part of the, the recruiting process for your kids? Developing what you have. Develop the talent you have now. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but you don't know what's going to happen with OPS schools. You, you hear the rumors and stuff like that. You know, Greta maybe go class B. You know, you hear some OPS schools might be joining forces, you know, and there is some good talent there, you know, and it, it's really tough. I think, honestly, Kit Undle is um, not to believe in all the hoopla what's out there and get, you know, some of the parents want to believe in. Yeah, I don't. The magic stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I rub this, yeah, my I, kid's I'm gonna, gonna get. Go there. Yeah, and it doesn't happen that way. We just don't roll like that, and nothing, nothing's given to any of us. We all know that tomorrow it could be over. We all yeah. know that, and so we told the girls, it's play by play. You know, let's just move on. We're fine. But to, to develop the talent and stuff, they have to believe in you. If if you say like go get that ground ball, and they're like, why am I doing it that way? 
you're going to lose a girl or a player that quick. You have to tell them what, what you're doing so they believe in what you're doing. Verbiage is very important. Brian, how do you make your team stronger with just the verbiage and making sure that you guys are speaking the same language? I think as a younger coaching staff of young kids, it's more important, but it still continues at his high school level as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it comes down, and he kind of already spoke about it, but, you know, trust and relationships, right? I think that's a part of it. They got to trust and believe in what you're saying and believe in you, and, and they, you have the best interest in, in them as a person and a player, right? Then the second would be getting results. And I think, you know, if you can, you know, show these players, like, hey, like, we do this, it's going to lead to this. And I think, you know, reading kind of between the lines, so you build a lot of trust. He's been getting results, and now his girls are all in, right? Yeah. Well, so this year, <laughs> <laughs> social media is a big thing. How do you how do you adjust that with your kids? How do you make them understand the importance of it? And and what's some experiences where you've you've kind of had to be the hard guy? Yeah, that's a <laughs> you know, social media will ruin you in a second. We tell all the girls from all different levels, from eighth grade to even now, even grade from college, one post will ruin your life in a second. TikTok, Instagram, uh, what's that? Snapchat, all that fun <laughs> stuff. I don't know what it is. But I mean, even with your parents, you might be out there in a resort and a coach might be, you know, you might be a senior looking at it, going to a college. You're sitting here with me and you, and there's a beer there. And you, she's sitting there or whatever with her parents. That's not a good look. You want to make sure what's there is not yours. You're not drinking. You're not supposed to be drinking and doing things you shouldn't be doing, posting things and doing crazy things because you might have a scholarship that day. And guess what? Tomorrow you ain't got Tomorrow, it. Tomorrow, guess what? It's over. And we all know that. And you know it's how life goes. Well, and you spoke very strong on, on the culture that you're building with your kids. How do you make sure that they live in the moments and not regret that they missed something, but still dedicated to the sport of softball and working hard? We, we have talks every two weeks. We, I have, it's coming from a father of three, talking to 20 young women uh, about the struggles of life, um, partying you know everything uh alcohol and you know things like that i mean it's it's tough and there's times i, I broke down in front of them you know i don't want something to happen these girls are like my own kids uh you know um there's 20 of them you have to look them straight in the eye like hey you can't be social bullying you can't be doing this you know yeah you're going to a football game but why are you doing that you know and it's it's tough and they see them they see them understanding nodding their head and you see tears coming in their their eyes you're like all right we're getting through because not all coaches can have those hard conversations. For sure. They, they, they sometimes want it to just be shaded and gone, but if you don't fix those in your program, your program will never end up where you want it to be. From beginning to end of the season, what do you think is the biggest strength that you guys grew together as a coaching staff to show that next year is going to be where you're at now, if not stronger? Just what I said. We're, we're a family. I mean, you can use that word. It's kind of cliche. Oh, fan, we're a family. No, that's how we break it down that every time. One, two, three, family. You know, that's what it is. That's what you instill. It's a family. For those from August until, shoot, October, you're with those kids every single day. You see the parents night in, night out. Yeah, you make some tough decisions as a coach, and you see the parents come like, why'd you do that? Or that's a great game, coach. You know, they one minute they're giving the biggest hug <laughs> in the world. Next Monday, Next you're minute like, they're yeah, choking, yeah, they're yeah, avoiding you. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, what'd you do there, coach? Yeah. I mean, it, that's our biggest thing. It's always about family, you know, and sometimes you have those tough decisions with your kids. Like, why'd you end school today? Why'd you, you know, you have to have those one-on-ones. Um, and that's what we can steal with them. What is your connection with the school? How do you 
because you're not a teacher, right? Yeah. And in the district, you're not in the school all the time. How do you stay connected as a coach? Yeah. Um, <laughs> emails. I mean, I check grades. They know I'm in there. Um, I check in with them. Like right now we're out of season. We have our end of the year banquet coming up. You still check in. Hey, how are things going? I mean, again, you have a group chat. I think it's a group chat. They call it now. <laughs> um, you sit there. Hey, how's things going? You know, you're still communicating with them. And a lot of the girls now are going on a club ball and stuff. Hey, have a great year. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Maybe Don Lincoln, some girls have there. And you want to poke your head in there. I mean, they supported you for the whole season. You want to go support them too. How do you separate all this softball stuff and your family? <laughs> oh, man. Especially with the way that from what you've said about your wife and how uh, that's her life. That, yeah. That's everything. She's traveling up to the Briarcliff every almost every day, hour and a half up. You know, we don't, we're not moving. There's no time. We have a, a son who's seven. I mean, I picked him up at school at 2.30 a day. You know, he has baseball. He has flag football. I mean, again, family's first. I told the girls that too. Family comes first. Something comes up, family union, you can't make a game or gosh, a bit something happens to grandpa and grandma, go take care of that. Um, but our mentality is always family first and the kids know what mom and dad are doing. We're not out here do, not doing it for the, for the fun of it. We're doing it. You know, it's a job. I like that you brought up mom and dad know what you're doing. Brian, how do you distinguish with your parents at a young age of how important and the parents' involvement in taking the kid to practice is the conversations after games, the those moments that these parents can either take and, and enjoy or they can overbear. Yeah, I mean, gosh, you see uh, a lot of kids that, you know, they're getting in the car is like, man, I feel bad for them right now. Like, yeah, that's not going to go well. But, you know, I mean, you can use like anything with sports. I mean, it, there's so many life lessons you can take from it and learn from it and apply that is going to make them successful way later in life than anything through baseball or, or softball. So it's a part of it. And I think the coaches and, and my kids are kind of like that. They just kind of grow up around the sport. Like, I bet your son spent a lot of time at softball practice with you this year. He, he does. And he does. <laughs> I mean, uh, he has his own catcher gear at home. We're throwing catchers live in the, in the bullpen in the house. We're playing football in the house. Yeah. I mean, it's freezing out cold. So, I mean, we're throwing footballs. I mean, he knows. My other two kids, I mean, my daughter, she doesn't play any sports. She's not competitive one ounce at all. Like me and my other two boys. It just you becomes know, a way of life. It like, is. And she wants, she comes in, she's our biggest cheerleader. She'll come there and scream and holler, go dad and stuff. And the kids come to the game. It's just, it's cool. You know, you're, it's a whole family set. You, you're brought up in it. I mean, we've been there 10 years. He's seven now. So the, the girls it, all know him. Yeah, I mean the relationships you see from like players to coaches, kids too. Like, oh, man, it's it's one of the best things like seeing it. It's like, you know, I don't think people necessarily understand it that are outside of it, but the the relationships my kids have with like the players I've coached is second to none. I mean, they got a whole bunch of big brothers that teach them bad things as well as a lot of good things. <laughs> right? Yep. So it's well, like, like, where did you learn that? She's like, oh, this player. I'm like. We're going to have to have a conversation with him. Yeah. I mean, so. there's some girls even watch our, watch Dominic. They've watched him. You know, we went out and had a date. Night. You know, sometimes you do the Indios nice date night. You're like, yep. hey, like we can watch him. Coach, come have fun. Go, go to two-hour movie. And we'll take care of him. So that's kind of cool to see that. Wow. You know, you have people you coach like, we'll watch him. Yeah. Once you gain that title of coach after player, what's the biggest thing that you've taken away from that and being able to know that you played your time? But now it's your time to pass on to others. Just the passion, man. It's I, I mean, that's a good question. That's tough. Give me a minute on that one. <laughs> you know, it's I think we have. I mean, we have girls that, you know, actually, here's this one for you right here. This is cool. So at West Side, in even our primetime organization, this is fun, it's a great story. Um, 
back when Westside first started four or five years ago, they never had alumni come back, nothing like that. Didn't want to come watch games. This this year, I seen six girls that we coached five years ago come back from college to, you know, or from their families to see that. I'm like, okay, we're doing something right. You know, um, they're showing up, the parents. I mean, we had grandparents showing up and stuff like that. I think just for our district game that we held, we had probably – 60 people there that's the biggest turnouts we've had in the past players that came out was huge and that was one of our goals too when we first came over we wanted past people to come back and support the program because that shows a lot to the younger generation like hey so-and-so's back and she might have been a senior and she was a freshman at that time like oh my gosh you're back like they love that you know the girls really like well that. especially if you got prime time girls coming to your games when they're not in high school and they're seeing these kids and these girls being the example. It's what has worked in other organizations. Yeah. As you continue to build your organization, what do you think is the biggest thing that you would take like from a Monarchs that would that would help you? And what's one thing that you feel like you've instilled to make you the team that you are? Yeah, don't think it's the wrong way, the swagger. I, I, Papio's swagger is by far none. I mean, Coach Pearson has that team firing all cylinders every year in this swag. You have to have some kind of swag to take on from your coach. As you all know, you have to have something, some kind of um, definable about you in your program. You know, um, that that's the thing. They have to the swag. They they know they're top. You have to come beat the best. If you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. Um, they they beat us. I mean, I told the girls that we played them in districts, and they they put one on us. The moment got too big for us. Now you've been there. How are you going to make that better next time? You saw what they did here for State oh, yeah. at UNO. 4,400 and some odd parents fans ex-students little girls came through that gate mm -hmm. what was that for the softball world not just at a high school level but also for your prime time how what is it like to see a stage like that we were all right watching. here and not tulsa yeah. not tulsa you didn't have yeah, to go yeah. to oklahoma yeah. to get it we were all watching i saw one of the numbers in the television like how many people actually viewed that game on tv from the b to the c programs i mean look at those girls from the b class and c class those girls are phenomenal. Those girls are some good girls. And even that turnout for those, I want to get bigger and better. You know, I think it'd be cool to build a thing up, you know, and get more broadcast games like that. I think even Hastings, you know, they did charge for the games. I think you made it live so the parents and grandparents can see this and make it even grow bigger and bigger. I think I think that's sometimes where some of these organizations might miss is because you're you are charging. I do get that you have to. I do. Yeah, I get it. But you got to start getting them involved early, and then as the years progress, and you're seeing the numbers get hit, mm -hmm. is when you slowly throw on a two buck, four buck, whatever. Sure. But if you don't have that following, you can't ever get it to where you want it to be like that night. No, it was cool. I mean, I watched from home on TV. I had a a friend's um, daughter playing on Miller North. You know, it was cool. You're cheering on. Papio, because they're so great. And you have Miller, you're like, come on, Miller, beat Papio, beat the great one. <laughs> you know, so you're going back and forth. You have all these emotions. It was just, even to go to Hastings, our first time going to state in 10 years, uh, it was just cool to be out there. You know, I mean, we didn't have the best turnout, but we got there. But next time we get there, we know what it's like. Trip to Hastings. What was it like for the kids? What was some of the things that you guys, when you guys drove down there, because you guys probably took the small buses, right? <laughs> yeah. What was what was some of that adventure going down that you remember and that these kids are going to, because here's what we always talk about. The thing that these kids remember from this, don't get me wrong, they're going to remember they went to districts and lost. Sure. But that car ride there is something that will outlast any loss 
anything that else that happened? What was that like for you as a first year coach? And, and what's some things that you felt you left in memories? Yeah, we took three vans down. Uh, Joey, I, and Don. Uh, there was a freshman. Uh, I had the seniors in my bus. Uh, a lot of crazy music, <laughs> you know, uh, things like that. Just the the excitement they were feeling, you know, going down there. I, I think it was, I don't know how long it was, but it's like we're in a car for 30 minutes. I mean, there was so much loud music in there, but I mean, it was, it was good. You know, the excitement, you want them to enjoy that. Um, and we set goals in the seniors. I asked them on the way down, um, right before we got on the interstate, did you guys expect this? We were like, yeah, coach, we saw it coming. We, we knew it. We, you said the goals, we knew what we had. Um, then we travel down there. We get there, we check in, we go to nice dinner. Um, then the next day you get to the the field and as a coach, I think you both kind of know, you're like, yeah, the moment's getting kind of big, <laughs> kind of big. I didn't want to tell them that they know now cause I'm out here, but you can feel as a coach, you're trying to settle them down. The rain's coming down. You yeah. see the big teams, you see the Papios, you see the Lincoln teams, you see the Gretna's the Millard's and you're like, like, I think it starts sitting in on their things like that. They didn't go the best we wanted to, but that was okay. You know, uh, went back to a hotel regrouped um they had a little fun night they gathered that um for the memories of getting there just getting there is i think will go a long way even myself as a coach just walking in it was pretty powerful You're like wow then all of a sudden you come in the next day and you see the crowd get bigger and bigger and bigger and you're like this is pretty freaking cool you know brian you've been involved with some sunday big challenges what's some of the common things that you feel like you and telling your kids when it comes to these big moments because no matter whether they're 9 10 these moments are just as big as when they're in high school when it comes to that sunday that districts or that championship part of the tournament yeah i mean it, it's tough right like so one like he said is, is practice stuff one you're you know you're never going to rise to the level of competition right you're always going to sink to your training so i think you know having having a training that prepares them for like a big moment like that's really important to have like something to fall back on. But I think the biggest thing is you just gotten still competing one pitch at a time. Yep. Right. I mean, it's, you know, you're not, you don't need to look at this like a whole game, like, you know, cause bad things are going to happen. Right. But right. you know, it's just, if you can just go back to like, Hey, I just need to do my best on this one pitch for this next pitch and one pitch at a time and just keep competing one competing one pitch at a time i think that's the simplest way to go about it but it's really hard to remove all that noise but uh <laughs> yeah. if you've never been there and, and still that message right but uh now they got some experience right now they're gonna have some leadership to to fall back on like hey we've been here yeah now they're gonna have that swagger you know next year be like no big deal we're ready for yeah this. and that's the thing it's i mean papios they've been there before they they showed that you know by far none i mean they were in tough situations but they came through and that's all about just being there you know that's that's the thing what is your number one reset for your kids that you've uh, worked on this year and what what's one thing that you want to help reset them next year a little bit better maybe to get them over that hump enjoy this moment this year you know enjoy it for us here till december 31st we, we, <laughs> we move on you know last year's the past you can't control the past now um i want my next set of group of girls my juniors my seniors to start setting an example for the next generation. Me as a head coach, they know they're gonna rely on me. I'm the coach going forward. So they're gonna look up to me too, but I also wanna put some pressure on them too, saying, this is our standard. We got to this level. We gotta stay here. We can't be a one hit wonder and be done. At the West Side High School, you guys obviously have high standards that goes across the sports. 
What is it like to be able to live up to some of those standards that you guys are helping to encourage in that culture at the West Side High School? It's, it's cool. This year was really cool to see the support. You know, obviously winning does a lot for a lot of programs. Uh, obviously, West Side's football program is phenomenal. The volleyball, the basketball, um, softball is finally starting to get there. You know, we're starting to make some traction. We're not having 10 to 12 fans. We're having 60 fans, you know. Um, just, again, just the atmosphere and still that we're here, you know, we do belong, you know, and I think softball is trying to show that they do belong in that category with the football, the basketballs and things like that. Brian, we're seeing women's sports grow when it comes to softball, volleyball. What does it mean for just even the Omaha area, just to see these kids get onto those big stages to get to like where Jordy ball goes down to Oklahoma, comes back home. How do those all impact and how is it really raising the bar? I think for women's sports. I mean, the, the women's sports are just killing it in the state of Nebraska yeah, lately. Um, I mean, there's so many opportunities being created that didn't exist, you know, five, ten years ago for a lot of these girls. And there's just so much more recognition. And it's just it's awesome. I mean, it, and it's hard to like we were talking to Todd last week, like there's a bunch of good coaches like in the metro area for softball. And it's just raising the level of competition. And like you're stepping back. It's like man, like, how do I get better? Because everyone else is getting better. So I don't know. It's just created a bunch of opportunities for girls. And, you know, hopefully they can get some school paid for and, that's, yeah. you know, take advantage of those, those educational opportunities they're getting as and well. And that's the nice thing about it too. There's so many different colleges, you know, um, former players that were in high school or, you know, that are now coaching at different levels, like, you know, at Peru or uh, at Briarcliff, you know, Doan. There's player coaches that were players at one time that, you yeah, you can go D1. That's great to be D1, but it's okay to go NIA, D1, D2, you know, that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Get your education paid for. Absolutely. Work for that. That's what you're playing the game for in high school to get to that next level. That's why your parents and, and I mean, smell that money traveling down to Tulsa, down to California. You know, that's not for the fun of it. I mean, yeah, it's fun to do, but you want to say, hey, go become a nurse, be a doctor. You know, <laughs> let's let's do this. You know? Well, and when you're looking at these kids, how can you compare and help yourself? Be I don't know what your history is. What's your college history? Is there stuff that you're able to relate with them? And what's some things that you picked up along the way as an assistant that helps you as a head coach on that part? You know, it, Kendall, it's a great question. I have zero college experience. I'm a high school Ditto. high school kid that went to got my G, I'm not G, my high school diploma from uh, Apio, the Monarchs. I'm a Monarch. <laughs> Um, I've always been in sales. You know, I used to, I sold cars with you for a couple of years. Um, at the position I'm in now, I'm a sales manager um, at Push Put a Pull. I've been there over 18 years combined. You know, just to relate to people, uh, be very candid and don't lie. I always tell my even my sales guys and my staff, the first time you lie, it's over. You know, and I tell the girls, I'm never going to lie to you ever. I'll be very blunt with you. If you had a bad game, you made three years. Yeah, you had made three years. That's why you're sitting. You struck out four times. Yeah, you have to have that tough love. But again, it reverts back to the family atmosphere. Yeah, and yeah, I think the hardest thing as coaches is getting them to understand. But once they get a bite of the understanding, they want more. Yeah, They don't want you to stop at this is where, okay, we're sitting you here. No, how do I get better? How do you get some of those girls to come at you and make sure that that's the way they're coming to coach of, hey, I'm not seeing playing time. What can I do better? And how do you get redirect those ones that just go, why am I not playing? Yeah, uh, it's happened a couple times this year, believe it or not. You know, I never had to deal with that adversity. Um, you know, the other coach did. I was assistant coach. I sat in those meetings. You, again, be honest, you know, break down the film. Say, did you saw what happened? You saw that game. You saw what I saw, right? Yeah, we're all going to make errors. Like you said, it's the next play. Um, for instance, we had a, a girl who made four errors in one game. You know, I didn't give up on her. I could have benched her for three or four games. And no, I get her back out there. Uh, there's times, too, that you want them to learn their lesson. Um, 
but to instill in them, like saying, don't give up, keep fighting. You know, that's, that's what it is. Do you have any coaches in the West side high school that are there all day that help you a little bit with communication? If so, how important is that, that key to the cog? Yeah. Joey Polito, he's my uh, JV coach. Um, and he's one of our assistant coaches. Uh, he works with the special ed kids there and stuff. And so he's, he's, um, what's it, can, he's on the ground, you know, feeling out, seeing things. He tells me things, you know, um, not narking people out, but you know, Hey, so-and-so's grades are doing this or, this girl looks like she's, you know, having a bad day, you know, then you could pull them aside and say, Hey, what's going on today? You know, I mean, okay. And girls are, girls are very emotional. Let's tell you how it is real quick. And you can talk to my other daughter. She's 16. And I ask them all the time, like, Hey, I have a 16 daughter. What's going on? And like, she, she has a boyfriend, you know, I, I want to know. And, and I think they can relate with that because I have a daughter and there's, you know, 40 of them out there. And so I'm trying to just balance. It's tough, you know, cause Again, this year, I mean, you have 40 girls coming at you like, hey, like you said, I'm not playing. What happened? You're like, oh, boy. <laughs> Brian, making those redirections with your athletes. Of course, you're not in a school. You're having kids from one school, the other school. The influences you control is very slim compared to a high school. But even then, it's still challenging. What are those experiences like? And, and how do you redirect some of that? Yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, I, I think a big thing is going to be controlling what you can control. Right. I mean, when it comes down to it, you can't control a coach deciding to play you or not. Right. But if you go all in on the things you can control, like, hey, I'm not doing very good defensively. That's why I'm not playing. How do I get better in that area? And then I'm going to, you know, work myself back in. You just got to go all in on things you can control and stop worrying about the things you can't control. Well, next year is a new year. Year number two for Mike Liebley. You obviously didn't see this is where you were going to be at this stage of your life. What's the next step for you? And, and what do you feel like uh, is going to be the biggest struggle that you might have now that the expectations set? The expectation to do it again, you know, uh, to, to repeat, you know, because if you don't get back to there, you it's like a failure. You know, you don't want to be that one hit wonder, like, you know, playing a song like, oh, that's 20 years ago. Good Sweet. Job. Kendall took down my episode because yeah. I just... <laughs> Thanks, kiddo. You know, it, it's, it's it's cool thing. Is, like I said, you don't want to refer back to the, the failures. You're gonna, we're going to have failures and stuff like that. But seeing where we're at now, getting us recognized, like what you're doing here for uh, Nebraska sports and stuff is cool. You know, that means you're doing something right. You know, um, that was cool for you reaching out, asking that uh, to get co-coach the year. I thought it was cool. You know, is not cool as, like, yeah, I did it. You know, I said, I didn't go to college. You know, I got my, you know. I graduated high school and moved on, became into sales. I mean, it was like, oh, great, you're in sales. That's slimy business, you know? <laughs> you know, now you're a head coach, but it kind of relates. You have to talk to people, you know? You have to be very personable. You have to have the passion to do it. And it's not for everybody. And I think coaching, as you well know, is it's a tough gig. It's, it's not easy. See, and that was always my hardest thing when people are like, you sell cars? I'm like, yeah, but, like, I'm telling you everything I know. Yeah. What I don't know is what I don't know. Like, yeah. you're still thinking I'm slow. I could show you the paper right in front of you yeah. with every number to the T, and you're still thinking. Numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie, yeah. just like the film. Coaching on a whole different level. Of course, I coached at a, at a high school level with uh, football. I coached on a, a younger age for football, basketball. When you're making these relationships and you hear the word coach from the years prior, what does those moments mean to you? Kind of chokes you up a little bit. And I'm not going to lie. It's like, wow. You know, like, like I said, being a coach is different. I mean, somebody say, hey, Coach Mike. Sometimes I don't want to be called Coach. I just want to be Mike. You know, and I'm like, off season, like, even like we're doing, hey, hey, Coach, no, it's Mike. It's fine. You know, 
I just don't. It's it's a title, you know. It's nothing. But once you get it, man, you can't lose it, and and you won't. I mean, I I have players that you know. Of course, I own the long company, and, yeah. And I have football players that'll be like, "Hey, coach, I need a couple extra bucks. Can can you help me out?" Like, no matter how hard you try, or you're like you said, I you're an adult now. I, yeah. I want to make sure that we're on an adult yeah. level. They can't get past that. No. It's tough. I mean, even this year, like you, you want to give them the world. Like you, like, they're your own kids. You want to give them what they, you know, like the swag they want, the the jerseys, the stuff. Like I'm already working on getting JV new uniforms next year. You know, we we started a great fundraising program this year, uh, just to give back and say, you know what? He just wasn't a coach. He was a good person. You know, he he gave us everything he could. They started from the bottom, and that and they gave it all back they could to us. You brought up swag, Brian. What is it like when all these different style uniforms you see kids just want it like kids will go to Oregon just to get their big duffel bag like yes that's all I think in this Nebraska and what we embrace here it's hard for some parents to understand that importance Mm -hmm. I mean that's how I ended up winning my thing for top fan show is just simply talking about black jerseys why because I coached at Omaha South and I knew how much once those kids got the black jerseys, how much mental change you can do. You're obviously going through that with both of you guys with programs where you're constantly working on those those little mental things. What does the swag mean and the gear that they get, the stuff that you have to come up with as a coach? Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, tough. I mean, that is absolutely very high on the totem pole for like kids, what they're wearing, what they look like, you know, I mean, it's look good, play good. Absolutely. It's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, so if you talk to a high school kid, sometimes you're like, you know, should I take more ground balls or should I go to the store and buy more swag? I mean, it might be swag and you might get better results from them just looking good than, oh, yeah. than spending more time practicing. Or, or, or a four hour bat, yeah. you know, right? or, or a new glove. I'm like, hey, coach, look at this new glove. Like, look at the tape they put on. I'm like, you didn't need pink tape. Just hit the ball in the bat. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all with that swag. It's about that look, that persona. They want to look good. You know, they want to feel like they belong. And that's, you know, some of these poor teams have these beat up jerseys. Like, I'm not trying. We have we just got New Jersey for the first time a couple years ago, and you know, and they loved it. Like, oh, now JV, they got the hand me downs from varsity. No, now you're getting New Jersey this year. We're getting brand new. How do you think they feel now? Like they they're important, yes, and they want to be a part of that next next step. Absolutely. You got your first incoming freshman class. When does the meeting start? When does that all start for you? And and uh, how much in the middle schools are you looking to talk to these kids? Yeah, we, we have a feeder program, you know, uh, the West Side Warriors. They, they're um, probably after a banquet, a banquet. So we're seventh. Uh, some of the girls right now um, are just starting to do off-season conditioning and stuff like that. We'll start talking to them probably in January, stuff like that. I want to give them in the weight room. Like I talked about earlier, I want to increase our speed. I want to be fast on the base pass. You know, obviously we can hit bombs, but that doesn't mean nothing. You got you to get on base though too. Got to get around you know, the bases, right? But, yeah, it, it starts after November next week. I'll start getting on it. I've already got a couple of emails from uh, eighth graders and stuff. We have a nice couple of eighth graders coming in, refreshment. They're going to be probably battling for a spot on the senior roster, I mean varsity roster. Well, and and you talk about just the – the when is the downtime? How do you adjust the downtime? Where there is, is no fine? downtime. Yeah, is the there is no downtime <laughs> for softball. Um, you know, it's uh, – I don't think there's another sport that can compare. Um, maybe volleyball's close. Yeah. Um, but I mean, these girls are playing softball from March to November, the first week in November. I mean, they're still playing, like he said. So <laughs> it's tough. There really is no downtime. Um, which I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, because there's not a 
not a ton of time to always like get better. Like, Hey, like I struggle with this last year. I need to fix this, this off season. Cause there, there really isn't an off season uh, truthfully. So it's tough, but you need at least a good month to get away. I mean, I just wish like these tournaments, I mean, they just got done playing. I wish they would just kind of take a break. Nothing going on. Kind of a dead month, month and a half. Let them just be kids and stuff. And just traveling down there. I mean, yeah, it's great to get some reps. Some of the, the travel coach are excited to see their, the kids, you know, that were in high school. They want to see what they have for the upcoming season. But again, they are kids. There's times you burn that poor girl out. Guess what? She gives up. Doesn't want to do it anymore. I'll get you out of here on this last two things. Two things that are really hitting high school sports. It's not a transfer portal, but it is transferring. There's no portal for it. How do you control and make sure that these kids understand that not every coach is for everybody and you totally understand and respect their decision. But then how do you also turn that around and let them know that this battle here might be the most important battle that you need to go through? Yeah, I mean, being a first-year coach, I've never experienced it. So I'm going to experience it here in probably the next four or five months. You know, um, school getting out, I think it's a 90-day window. On May 1st, you have to enroll to be there. Um, I said there's a couple of girls interested. I think they know what's that's at stake. But the, here's the thing. It's, it's hard and easy because the girls that do come in, they know some of the girls and stuff like that. They tell them how, how the coach is, things like that. That makes sense. I mean, I don't have a great answer for you. Really no, that's it, it. It's it's just a continuance of wanting to keep your girls, but you're not looking to hold them back. And and I think as you're growing through that process, you're you're making sure they understand how important it is to you. Mm -hmm. You want the kids that want to be there. Yes, that is the atmosphere that you've set. That's the culture that you've you've raised through this time. And and obviously going to year two, you got some big challenges ahead to get back to where you were, but. You also have a great coaching staff to help you through. What's the biggest thing that you're working with other programs within the school when these you do have the multi-sport athletes to help your program? Communication. Communication is huge. Um, that's the, you know, talking to teachers. Like there's girls that play basketball, you know, and, and the other coaches. I think at West, it's one thing they do well. Um, they have all these coaches on the email chain that we, you know, communicate back and forth, you know, and they know if softball is in the heat of the moment, she's not going to come to this <laughs> open, you know, open camp at basketball. It's not going to happen. And they wouldn't expect it either. Um, that being said, I think it's just communication. Well, I greatly appreciate co-coach of the year, Mike Leapley of Westside Warriors coming in year one, going into year two after interim to head coach. He'll be on the sidelines this next year just doing what he does in the dugout and first base. Once again, it's a Herd Ass production of Wired Access Podcast. Yeah, I'm your host, DJ K. Omaha. If you like this episode or you like any episode, make sure to hit the subscribe down below. Hit the thumbs up. If you see this on Twitter, go ahead and share, repost, whatever you want to do. But we appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll see you next time. My guy over there, Brian Southworth of Wired Training Center. See ya. A Herd at Sports Network production.